0: Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. And today I want to speak to you from the book of Ezra. And I just want to share a couple of my thoughts that I feel like God is speaking to me for our global audience about what it looks like to be a part of the church, what it looks like to build the church. In a moment, in a time right now where being a part of the physical community is more difficult I want you to know that God still has a call for his physical community, still has a call for the house of God, the people of God, and for the individual Christian that's you. He's got a call for your life. And, And we see moments where God's people had to come back to their cause and come back to their call, and, and we see that with Daniel, we see it with Nehemiah, but there was another man named Ezra, and his book chronicles uh, the story of the Israelites coming out of captivity, out of Babylon, and into Jerusalem and They're there to rebuild the house of God. And I believe it is our calling, it is the calling of every single Christian to build the house of God. It is the cause, it should be the cause of every Christian to set their mind, set their heart, set their action towards the house of God. It's something that Jesus promised to build, and it's something worthy of our action, something worthy of our life, the church of Jesus Christ. It is powerful. It is moving forward, and I believe that God's hand is on his church and his people. So I pray that today as I speak, your focus begins to shift to God's house and God's people, and I pray that God gives you revelation. In the book of Ezra, we find that the people of Israel are stuck in a foreign land. They're in exile, they're under captivity, they're constantly under oppression in Babylon. But after 70 years, God begins to call his people out of Babylon and back to Jerusalem. What I think is so powerful about this picture is that this is what God does with us. God calls us out of Babylon and he calls us into his promised land. What is Babylon? Babylon's the old self. Babylon's the old way. Babylon's the way of the flesh. Babylon is the, is the, the kingdom outside of God's kingdom. It, it, Babylon represents sin in all its forms of oppression. And God comes, just like he came to his people and called them out of Babylon, he comes to you, he comes to me, he comes to us, his people. And he calls us out of the old into the new. He calls us out of sin and into life. He calls us out of the forgotten place into the promised land. So here's God calling his people out of Babylon into Jerusalem, the promised land. They had been in Babylon for 70 years, but God had not forgotten them. 70 years, a lifetime, yet God had not forgotten his people. In fact, He prophesied before this ever even happened through the prophet Jeremiah that this would happen. And he gave this prophecy so that people could anchor their hope knowing that they were not a people forgotten or abandoned. Jeremiah 29.10 shows us this prophecy and, and it says this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back from this place. I want you to hear me. There's a promise from God to you right now that he will bring you back from this old place. Maybe you got stuck. Maybe you've drifted back. Maybe you feel like it could never, I could never be released from this place. I believe that as God spoke through Jeremiah, he's speaking through me right now to you, that God wants to bring you back from that old place, back out of the forgotten, the broken place into his home, his house, his temple, his people that he has set aside for you. It's interesting, 70 years, it's a whole lifetime of being stuck under captivity and yet God's promises remained clear and he prophesied through Jeremiah, I'm gonna bring you back. I'm gonna bring you back into my blessing. I'm gonna bring you back under my house, back into my protection. If you will allow me, if you will trust me, I'm gonna take you back. That's the God that we serve. Now, Jeremiah twenty-nine ten. Is not that famous of a verse. But Jeremiah 29, 11, that's a famous verse. And what it says there is, for I know the plans I have for you. See the context that this is in? Declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. We love to quote Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, the plans that God has to prosper us and not to harm us, but understand the context that that promise was spoken in. It was spoken to people in captivity. It was spoken to people oppressed and kept down, people under the hand of sin. And so to hear those words wasn't just a feel-good moment. It was something to say, choose faith and not fear. Choose that to be your calling and not your current reality. Jeremiah 29, 11 is so powerful because it was spoken to a people that were stuck in oppression, and yet God says, I'm not gonna leave you there. I've not called you to get comfortable there. I'm gonna pull you out of that place, Babylon, I'm gonna pull you back to my promised land, Jerusalem, and I have plans for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope, And a future. What God is promising is deliverance. Deliverance. And as God delivered his people back then, his promise of deliverance remains true today. The deliverer is Jesus, his son. It's Jesus that comes and delivers us, his people, from the ultimate oppression. Far greater than Babylon, the ultimate oppression is sin. Sin keeps you in captivity, sin keeps you in exile away from God's presence. Sin Sucks the life out of you, but God says, But I do have plans for you, and they are good plans, and you will not be caught forever in exile. I will deliver you. This is what this whole story is all about. It's about salvation. We serve a God of deliverance, a God of salvation that comes to redeem you. The psalmist says, You redeem my life from the pit. Jesus comes to deliver you. I don't know where you're watching this from, or what state you're watching this in, but today I want to remind you that Jesus is here to deliver you. Maybe you're struggling with poverty all around you. In your mind, Jesus says, I've got a plan for you, and it's to prosper you. Maybe you feel like you're caught in pain, pain in the past, pain of failure. Maybe the pain is self-inflicted from your own foolish choices, cycles of sin, but Jesus comes and he says, I've got a plan for you. It's to prosper and not to harm you. In other words, God wants to deliver you from places of pain and he wants to bring you into a place of promise. That's who Jesus is. God doesn't abandon you in Babylon and say, you got yourself there. You abandoned me. Now you got to live under your own blessings. God says, no, I'll come and I'll redeem your life from the pit. I'll pull you out of the place of the flesh or the old. I'll turn that pain into promise. I'll let healing begin to flow. Jesus comes and he delivers. And he says, I, I've got a hope. What does he say? I've got a future for you. In other words, Jesus comes and he gives his people meaning for our lives, hope for our future. If you feel like you are stuck in a state of hopelessness, know that that is not from God. It is not Jesus's will for your life. Jesus says, I've come." to give you a hope and a future. So maybe you feel like you're stuck in the flesh, in the old, in sin, the ultimate oppression. Right now, I want you to know that Jesus comes to redeem you from that. One prayer, one turn, one moment can begin to pull you out of the old and into the new. And I just want to pray right now before we move on. If you say right now, I need to make Jesus my Lord and my Savior, Maybe you've prayed this prayer before, but you have slipped back into the old. Old ways, old lifestyles. Right now I want to pray. And I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to come. And salvation is going to come. You were not designed to live under oppression. When Jesus first came and he first opened the scroll, of the book of Isaiah, he said, I am here to set the captive free. I'm here to bring the oppressed into a place of liberty. That's Jesus, and his delivering power is still resounding today. If you need to pray this prayer, maybe you've drifted. Maybe you've gone a long way off. Maybe you've left not just God's house, but God's people. Not just God's people, but God himself. Right now, he's walking in the garden, and he's calling your name. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to bring you back into his home. Jesus says, the place that I'm going is a good place. And I'm going to prepare a room for you. Right now, heaven wants your heart, your soul. Let's just pray. Just bow your head right where you're at. Say, dear Lord Jesus, I admit my sin to you, my failure. Lord, deliver me from evil. Forgive me of my sins draw me close to you. I commit my life to you again, to your house and your people. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I believe that God comes, Jesus comes, in moments like this to reorient us, to realign us, to reaccept us. And not only does Jesus pull us out of Babylon, but he pulls the Babylon out of us. And that's a process of pulling tainted ways of thinking, old habits. He, 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 he comes and he, he, he pulls old pains out of us. That process is called sanctification. You're saved in a moment, but you're sanctified over the course of your life. If it's been a long time, you've been a long way off from God, you just prayed that prayer, I encourage you, get into a good church. Get around God's people. Because you are now entering into this new kingdom. Out with the old, and here comes the new. And that's God's promise to you. It was God's promise to his people. He never let them live in Babylon forever. He has a promised land for them. And he has one for you. And so God begins this process of, realigning his people with himself, bringing them back to Jerusalem. You know how he begins the process? He awakens a king, a king named Cyrus, and he says, I want you to build my house. And, and so the, the, the verse goes in Ezra chapter 1, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem. He has charged me. There's conviction." He says, I'm the king, but I'm here to build a house. He's charged me. Hear me. I believe when God begins to speak to men and women, this is one of the first things he does. He charges them be a part of my house, build it, support it. So here's this great king of Persia, the king of kings, but what's his reason for existence in this moment? To build the house of God. But you know, we would hear these words echoed many years later by another king, king of all kings. Jesus comes and he says, I will build my church, the temple, the people, the place, the mighty house of God, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. See, the story of Ezra is really our story, that there is a good king who accepts the charge to build a place for his people to come into his presence. It's the church. And so Cyrus built the temple, but Jesus builds a church for us, his people. And when we join in the work of the ministry, we join with the king doing kingly things, building his house, the house of God. And the Bible goes on to say this, at the sound of these words, Ezra and all of the heads of the fathers of the houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up Decided to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. All of a sudden, all the leaders. See, when one leader steps out and says, I know I'm called to the house of God, it awakens. It awakens others. Say, that's in my heart too. Everyone whose spirit God had stirred. Spirit God had stirred. That's the phrase right there. See, this is what awakening is. Awakening is more than salvation. Salvation. Awakening is a stirring of the spirit. Have you encountered that? Have you had that happen in your heart and your soul that God has stirred your spirit? Maybe maybe it's been a long time since you felt your spirit stirred. I remember I was 16 years old, and I went to a concert, and there was beautiful worship going on. And I prayed a simple prayer. I said, God, if you're real, will you just show yourself to me? See, before that moment, I had been saved. But my spirit hadn't been stirred. It was cold. It was dry. It was disconnected from the presence of God. But when you begin to pray those kind of prayers, be careful because they're dangerous. God will answer those prayers. See, there's a difference between being saved and awakened. I was saved, but all of a sudden my spirit got stirred. My eyes got open. My heart caught on fire. My mind got engaged. What's that? That's the stirring of the Spirit. That's the process of awakening, and God will do that in a moment with his people, with his leaders. If you're open, he'll come and begin to stir your heart for what? The house of God, the people of God, the work of the ministry. God never stirs your heart for yourself. God doesn't stir your heart For foolish things, earthly or temporary. No, he stirs your heart only for eternal things that matter. He awakens you that you might arise, engage in things that are worthy of your life, the house of God. I'm here to remind you of why God saved you, who he's put you with. And I feel like I've got a verse to read you. That as I was preparing just this, this thought, I feel like God gave me this verse to speak directly to you. You who maybe are tired or weary. Those of you that feel like your heart has not been stirred for a very long time. Maybe you feel disconnected from the things of God, the place of God, the people. Hear this verse. That's out of Romans, out of uh, Corinthians. and Paul s- spoke this. And he felt God say this to him and I feel like God's saying this to you right now. My grace is sufficient, for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Hear me. If you need your spirit to be stirred right now, I want you to just pray this verse over yourself. Receive it. Say, God, I believe that your grace is sufficient for me. It's sufficient for my failures, my shortcomings this past year and beyond, for my power is made perfect in weakness. It's not out of ourselves, out of our strength, our our, our moral, ethical duties. It's God who comes and begins to stir the hearts of his people and lift them up out of self and out of sin. And he comes and he, if he, Could do it with Paul, he can do it with us. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my own weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I pray that that word speaks to your spirit right now, that though you feel weak, May God's grace come upon you. May it be more than enough for you. May it awaken you and stir you. Right now, Holy Spirit, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice that their spirit begins to be stirred again, God. That they would know you more than just in their mind. Know you more than just out of a past experience, but God, right now, stir their spirits again, God. God, I pray you awaken their hearts to their callings again, God. I pray against spirits of fear. I pray against spirits of oppression. I pray against anxiety. I pray against lies that have been able to come in through open doors and paths, I pray against them in the name of Jesus. And I pray instead your grace in the name of Jesus. God, your grace over people. Your forgiveness over people. Your spirit over people. I pray they produce good fruit, Lord Jesus. May they get around people filled with faith. Not fearful, not, not, not nervous, and, and certainly not apathetic. But God, I pray right now your spirit gets stirred up. Even in the sound of my voice, whether they're listening on podcasts or online, Facebook, YouTube, whatever it is, I pray even as I speak, people begin to stop what they're doing and tune in right now. Holy Spirit, stir their hearts again. May they recall your great love for them, Lord God. I pray, God, right now you pull people out of Babylon, out of flesh and self and old. Right now, pull them out, stir their spirit, reconnect with them. I pray your word awakens them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. See, when the Holy Spirit came, he comes on his people for a reason, that they might rise up and build the house of God. They stirred the spirit of the leaders, that they might rise up and build. Zechariah, he prophesies this to those very same leaders. He says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. I believe that God has called us as Christians to build his church, to be a part of his kingdom with his people, but it will not be out of our intellect or out of our duty. It will not be out of our strategy or out of our ideas or out of our attendance or ethic, work ethic. It's going to be by the Holy Spirit. This year, we have learned how to follow the Holy Spirit every step of the way. And I believe for our church awakening, God has given me this word for us as we move forward. It will not be our might. It will not be our marketing will not be our power. It will not be our excellence. It will not be any of these good things, but not God things. It will not be out of our power, but I believe the Holy Spirit is going to lead us forward. And I'm excited to see what God has in store for this church. We're getting ready to pay off this church completely and totally. Let me tell you, it was not by our might or by our power, but the Holy Spirit led us. Through this whole year, we didn't know if we were going to even be able to meet from week to week. And we had to learn how to rest not on our might or our power or our genius or even what was coming from the news or from others. We had to be led by the Holy Spirit. Hear me. That's how we're going to move forward. Out of Babylon into Jerusalem. As we rebuild the temple, as we rebuild the house, strong spirits on fire, prayer warriors. We're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. You might be saying, well, Jordan, how can I... How can I lean in to the Spirit of God and what he's doing in his house? How can I be a part of building the house of God? How can I be a part of moving this thing forward? I would challenge you, church, engage your prayer life for the church. Can I say this? Pray for your pastors. Whether it's me or someone else, pray for your pastors. They need your prayer backing their leadership in times and moments like this. Pray over your family. Get your family to a church. Do whatever you can to get to a physical gathering of God's people because you need the presence of God. You need to, you need to worship. I think it's great that you, you're watching online, you know, all over the, the country, but wherever you're at, get a good local church with a pastor. Get a crew, a small group of people filled with faith around you that can pray with you and, and you with them. It will help you engage your spirit and keep it stirred up you have to lean in to action speak well of the church speak well of God's people speak well of other Christians because you have the power of life in your tongue God wants to build his church up don't tear it down with your tongue speak well pray well speak well celebrate post well it helps build up the church You could help the church financially, of course. I I think it's a powerful step to commit to the tithe of a local church. Abraham tithed. Jacob tithed. Jesus confirmed the tithe. Why? What what does that do? It it is a principle that says, I'm part of building God's house. I'm going to support it with my words, my actions. I'm going to support it with my finances. See, as God pulls us out of Babylon, he sanctifies us. He changes who we are and how we lead. And part of that change is I do not allow finances to be an idol. I take it and I submit it to Jesus Christ. So how can you support the church? Be a part of the tithe. And and, and maybe your company is able to go over and above and be massively generous to your church. You should do that. Many churches have things like what we have here, which is We Heart Lives, like an outreach Be a part of that thing. Be the hands and feet of Jesus where you go out and you serve the least of these. This is so biblical. I'm telling you, there's something so powerful that begins to happen. Like Your own life starts getting realigned as you serve other people. That's building the house of God. I believe that's what you're called to do. More than building even your own house, your own career. More than entertainment, getting through the day. More than almost any other thing that you could do with your life, you're called to be a part of what God's building, which is His house. So go all in. Lean in to what God's doing in your local house. And if this is it, serve. Be a part of a crew. I believe that God has so much more for Awakening Church, and I'm excited to see where it goes. I feel like God's putting some things on my heart that I'm praying about and I'm excited to speak to you about in the future. But, um, but as for now, I'm still praying, but will you pray for me and pray for the staff? Will you pray over this church and over this house that God has an open heaven, that he continually stirs up our spirits, that he raises up leaders? I believe when the spirit gets on a church, that's what makes it unstoppable. And so I ask for you to engage with all that you are in the work of the ministry join jesus in building the only thing that's going to last into eternity the house of god and may babylon fall may zion rise may the old fall may the new rise may death fall may life rise may the world fall but the church lasts forever thanks for listening to the awakening podcast we hope this message has encouraged you If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.